guys can have a seat. Happy Father's Day. So glad that you guys are here with us today. For those that are worshiping online, uh, we're thrilled that you're with us as we continue this series talking about uh, pursuing a life of passion and the idea of the heartbeat, the heartbeat of God. And so we're thrilled that you're here today. We're thrilled you're here on Father's Day. We want to remind everybody that we're at, uh, today's the kind of the end of this cycle that we've been uh, trying to help uh, Loving Choice Pregnancy Center from Mother's Day to Father's Day with special donations. Uh, and you can do that online. You can check out our website, find out how to do that if you'd meant to do it and haven't done it yet. And dads, for, for you today, we've got a special treat. Uh, as soon as service is over, in between every service, out on the patio, uh, between the CLC and the stew, uh, we've got snow cones for everybody. So, and go out there and enjoy, hang out. Uh, there's some tables and some awnings and stuff, and you can really uh, enjoy that out there. We, we hope you do that and just have a great day. You know, we just, uh, we just sang about seeing a victory. What we're going to do now is all because of a victory. Because Jesus conquered death and the grave, and he did it for us and, and came out of the grave victorious, we have that promise, we have that assurance, that guarantee of eternal life with Him if we make Him Lord and Savior of our life. And it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. In fact, Jesus Himself said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. Because I won. Take heart because there is a victory. Take heart because... You can be an overcomer too. And so this morning, uh, there's stations all around the room uh, where you can, if you haven't already done so, just grab uh, a set of cups. There's two cups. The bottom one has uh, the cracker in it. The top one has the juice in it. Uh, and then at every one of the stations, there's also a place where you can give uh, your tithes and offerings as well uh, to support uh, God's ministry uh, here through the local church. Um, but as you do that, and as some music's playing, I just want you to be thankful today. To be thankful today that we get to come and worship and we get to leave. And if we choose to follow him, we know that there's a victory in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you so much for loving us enough uh, to send your son. Uh, and we're so thankful that Jesus came and left the throne room of heaven long enough to come and to live as a man, to experience what we experience and then to die, and then to raise from the dead so that we can have forgiveness. God, we love you. We thank you for the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
what does it really look like to live with the heartbeat of God? Is there ever a time when you feel that, like that thumping in your chest? And you, and you know, you know you're right where God wants you to be. Are there times when you know you're right there and you feel that beat and you don't know how to respond? We're in this series talking about the heartbeat of God, looking at the life of David, looking at different characters that he'd interacted with and how that changed and affected um, him moving forward. And we looked the first week at his calling. We looked at how Samuel came and was told by God to go and anoint the new king, and I'll show you which one, and it was David, and how that happened largely because of David's faithfulness. And then the second week, we looked at the the story that everybody knows of, of David battling Goliath and the victory that came there as David trusted God. Last week, we saw how the interaction got really ugly between David and Saul. And Saul was doing everything, including trying to kill David, and yet David was able to show forgiveness. Today, we want to jump into a a kind of a different kind of message. As As I worked on it this week, I thought this is going to be a little bit different. It, it's not going to be like a, yay, let's go charge the mountain. Let's go uh, battle the lion. Let's go battle Goliath. Because this, we're going to look at this, this interaction between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. We're going to talk about friendship and about loyalty and what that really looks like. We hear so much these days about BFFs and besties. And we want to take selfies with our bestie, and we want everybody on social media. And we want to, and I've got some friends on social media that, like, every person in their life is their best friend. And I'm just trying to figure out how that even works out. But we hear so much about it. And so this week on my social media, some of you even responded to it. I, I asked this question What makes your best friend your best friend? I got well over a hundred responses to that. And, and I kind of went through and categorized them. You can read through them on the screen. It was things like unconditional love and acceptance, uh, accountability, loyalty, trust, always available, honesty, no judgment, praise for me. We like to have fun together, encouragement, like each other. Yeah, that's probably a good one for best friend. Um, a good listener, acceptance, understanding, wants to be, uh, wants best for me. They're my ally. We have the same passions. Uh, forgiveness is part of it. Truth uh, points me to Jesus. I was a little bit alarmed that that one didn't show up more often. Uh, genuine guidance and persons of integrity. Uh, David would have added, if, if we were to add that to his list, David would have probably said something like, his dad doesn't throw spears at me, I want that. You know, I don't know what it is. But then I ask this follow-up question. Would your best friend feel the same way about you? Do you exhibit the very same characteristics that are important to you? Do you exhibit those to them? I didn't get as many responses. I got a lot, but like half. You know, when the, when the shoe's on the other foot, and when, it, when on one hand we're like, this is what I want in a best friend, we can, we can send out all kinds of lists. How are you doing at being a best friend? It's, it gets a little bit, little bit more hesitant. A little bit more hesitant. I, if we're real, if we're real with ourselves, sometimes we expect things out of others that we don't expect out of ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we expect things out of others that we don't exhibit ourselves. Maybe we're in a good place with our best friend, but what about casual friends? What about people that we just see in general? What about the people we go to church with? What about the people we work with? What about people that we know and we are friends? We would consider them friends, but we're not really that close. In those relationships, 
do we sometimes allow it to be all about me and what's in it for, for me? I think oftentimes the struggle that we have with friendships is envy. I kind of want what they have. I kind of like what they have. Like in those list of things, as I said, it, it, it was, you know, it was a no brainer. I knew that things like unconditional love and acceptance and loyalty and trust, I knew those things were going to be way, way up on the list. I was glad to see that, that some people did put things like praise with me or for me or points me to Jesus, but I was somewhat alarmed that, that there were only a few of those. I was really somewhat alarmed that the number of people that listed things like no judgment. I can do whatever, I can be whoever I am, and there's no judgment when we're together. Because you see, I think as friends, there's supposed to be some judgment. Now, not condemnation, but everybody, everybody loves to quote that verse in the Bible when Jesus said, don't judge that you be not judged. And they don't understand that Jesus was talking about condemnation. He wasn't talking about like, dude, that's not, that's not a good choice. He wasn't talking about the judgments of, hey, that doesn't look good. Are you sure you want to do that? Are you really, is that where you want to be? Because when we have best friends, that's the kind of relationship we need to have where there's no condemnation, but yet there's freedom. Now, a lot of people did put, a lot of people put in their thing, I want a friend who's willing to call me on my stuff. That's great, but that's where we all should be. Because if they're a real friend, and if we're a real friend to them, we're going to be willing to call each other on our stuff that gets out of line. David and Jonathan had this really interesting relationship. I, I heard Jeff Walling speak a few years ago. Jeff Walling's a, a Church of Christ preacher, really awesome communicator. He just, he's one of those guys that just paints pictures with words and it's just incredible. And, and in this particular talk, he said this. He said in the corporate world, often, not always, but often, the attitude is, I can't win unless you lose. Let me say that again. I can't win unless you lose. But he said in the church and as followers of Christ, our attitude needs to be, I can't win if you lose. Because we're in this together. We're in this journey together. And so if our attitude is going to be, I can't win if you lose, what are we going to do to help each other win? A a competitive nature can drive a wedge in relationships really easy if we're not careful. So I want to give you the bottom line early this morning. I want this to kind of resonate in you. You'll hear it several times. But you need to understand the bottom line is, You need to, we need to, I need to, we all need to be our best friend's biggest fan. Their biggest fan. When they get the best job, the bigger house, the nice boat, we need to cheer for them. And not just so they'll take us for a ride on the boat. It needs to be a great victory for both of us. When our friends succeed. Now, we don't know exactly in Scripture. And if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles, we're once again going to be in 1 Samuel. We're going to start about chapter 18 and kind of progress a little bit forward as we see this this friendship between David and Jonathan play out. And we don't know exactly when Saul figured out that David was going to be his successor. We don't know exactly when David and Jonathan became friends other than it was after an event that we'll talk about in just a moment. What we do know is that God told the prophet Samuel to anoint David as king. And we know that God told Samuel that he would not be passing on the throne to his son as was the custom in those kingship relationships. So at some point, At some point in time, both Saul and his son Jonathan figured out that David was the guy. So let's look at how that plays out in this relationship between David and Jonathan. We're going to start off in 1 Samuel chapter 18. 
And look at what it says in the first four verses. This is when we kind of know that David and Jonathan become friends. All right. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. All right. Now they're getting annoyed. There was an immediate bond of love between them and they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic and his sword and his bow and his belt. It was his own sign of ordination or coronation as Jonathan has given this stuff to David. He, they just, you know, up until the Goliath encounter, there's no evidence of them all knowing each other. But after that, and they're coming back and the song that we talked about last week that Saul has killed his thousand and David's killed his ten thousands. And after all that, they had this encounter and Jonathan, you got to understand this because this is huge in this friendship thing. Jonathan was the natural one in line for the throne all right it was a this guy jonathan could easily be referred to all through scripture as prince jonathan you follow me he's the heir apparent to his father's throne as the king he should have been or at least could have been the one that was most jealous of david's popularity Saul got upset. Saul got upset when the women started singing about David and about all that he had done. But Jonathan had every reason to be just as or even more upset because this guy's rising up in the ranks. He's going to pass me. But instead they became friends and not just friends, the best of friends. Now, I got to stop here just for a moment because this is really important. Many people... And I was even seeing it on some things I read this week, and it was very disturbing. Many people messed up this story in the world, and they have tried to make something homosexual out of this relationship between David and Jonathan. Now, that's just ridiculous and messed up. That's not the case. A man or woman, for that matter, with the heartbeat of God would not be involved in something against the heart of God. Now, it it grabs David later in a different situation, but not this one. So let's move on. Let's get that out of your mind before we go on talking about David and Jonathan. See, when Jonathan gave David his robe and his sword and his bow, and it was a sign of the deepest respect. And as I said, it was almost like a coronation. It was acknowledging David as the leader and, and as much as Jonathan loved David, he just couldn't believe that his dad was out to get him. As he and David began, became friends and talked, and now Saul has brought David in, and he's living in the castle, he's living in a home, he's got a bedroom down the hall, whatever, whatever. They begin to talk, and Jonathan just like, no, David, it's not my, my dad's not trying to kill you. You can just imagine all those things like, because he didn't want to believe it about his dad. Because while David was his friend, he, he just couldn't imagine that. He wanted, didn't want to diss his dad. He's like, no, there's no way. And so David says something relatively like, okay, look, I'll prove it to you. I'll lay low for a few days. And when your dad asks about me, tell him I went to Bethlehem for a visit. And if he says, okay, then no problem. Maybe I'm mistaken. But if he explodes in anger, you'll know that he wants me dead. So Jonathan's like, okay, sounds like a plan. We'll we'll play that hand. And he plays the cards that David suggested. Now look in 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting in verse 30. This is what Jonathan said, and Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan because he told him what David had told him to. And look what he says, you stupid son of a whore. He swore at his own son. Do you think I don't know that you want him in your, as the king in your place? Shaming yourself and your mother? You're supposed to be the prince. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you will never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. 
But why should he put to de- be put to death, Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? And then look at verse 33. Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. He does it again. Somebody needs to take that spear away from Saul. It's all fun and games until somebody gets an eye poked out. <laughs> yeah, he throws a spear at his own son now. And now Jonathan's faced with a choice. Can you imagine that? Could you just imagine that? In this moment, the, the lights have come on. He's realized that this man that he's looked up to is trying to kill his best friend. And he's got to decide, does he go along with his dad and help get David killed? Or does he defy his father and honor his friendship with David? See, at this point, it's no longer about father versus friend. It's about doing the right thing. Many times in life, in friendships, the easy thing is not the right thing. The the path of least resistance is not the best path. And so we've got to make some really important choices along the way. Now, wanting your friends to not be judgmental is not the right thing when your actions need some correcting. So the next morning, next morning, Jonathan goes and he finds David. He goes and finds David to warn him about what's going on. If you look down a little bit further in chapter 20 to verse 40, it says, Jonathan gave him his bow, gave his bow and arrows, uh, Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to a boy and told him to take them back to town. And as soon as the boy was gone, who was there with him, because the boy was kind of like a spy, like watching out, okay, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. See, David, in his friendship, he's still acknowledging Jonathan as the son of the king. Do you see that? He bowed down to Jonathan. And both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye. Especially David. He knew what was at stake for Jonathan. At last, Jonathan says to David... Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and of our children forever. And then David left and returned to the town. Guys, this right here, this right here is a defining moment. Life would never be the same for David or Jonathan. In life, there are those moments when you've got to make that choice. Am I going to do the easy thing or am I going to do the right thing? And those are defining moments in life. Am I going to choose to follow what I know is right or am I going to choose to follow the crowd? Am I going to be like a river that takes just the path that's there? Or am I going to be an aqueduct and carve out a path that's better, a straight and narrow path? Which, Which am I going to do? And those are defining moments. Because at least for the short term, David is now officially on the run. And Jonathan is trying to balance loving his dad and loving his friend by trying to do the right thing. He was loyal. Jonathan was loyal because loyalty was the right thing. So we're going to see in friendship, loyalty is the right thing. But loyalty doesn't mean we don't ever confront. Loyalty doesn't mean we don't ever judge. Loyalty is like, I love you enough that I'm going to do those things, but I got your back. And then if you skip forward to chapter 23, this is the most amazing, this is the most amazing passage of scripture about David and especially about Jonathan that there is in scripture. There's not a lot about these. In fact, we're reading basically all there is about these two. But I want you to see in in chapter 23, starting verse 15, look what it says. 
said, while David was at Horash in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come, in, come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in God. Verse 17 tells us, John said, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be the king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home and David remained in Horace. Did you catch verse 17? Don't miss verse 17. It's amazing. This is Jonathan talking to David. This is Prince Jonathan talking to David. He says, you will be king and I'll be your second. I got your back. I got your six. I'm there for you. I'm there for you. Through thick and thin. A few weeks ago, you guys got to meet my good friend Matthew. And he preached for us, and I'm returning the favor next week. I'm going to be preaching down there for him next week. Uh, he's an awesome, dynamic pastor. He's got a great family. They're, they're building an awesome church. But what, what you probably don't know, what almost none of you would know, is that his older brother, Brandon, is the associate minister. And the younger brother is the lead pastor. They have this incredible, incredible relationship. I sent Brandon a text. We, we text every, every week. And I sent him a text this week just talking about this whole sermon that I was preaching and encouraging him on how well he does in supporting his younger brother. And, and I ask him, how are you able to do that as the older brother? And he gave me permission. I just want to read you what he texts back to me when I ask him, how do you do so well lifting up your younger brother? He said, I could share all kinds of feelings and reasons with you, but the easiest answer is that I love him more than I love myself. He said, we spent over 20 years apart serving and watching God bless our efforts, but I believe that what he always desired was to serve together. When he gave us that opportunity, I think it became clear to me that people uh, want to be divided naturally, like with sports teams, and they needed to see my example of raising Matthew up as the lead, knowing that I can trust and depend on his values and faithfulness gives me the freedom to serve and lead without the fear that I could have with other leaders. I love him more than I love myself. They are an awesome team. And it's great when you got people like that in your life that's what jonathan was saying to david when he was saying you're gonna be king and i'll be your second i got your back i'm gonna be there for you no matter what so i want to finish up this morning by by just getting real and looking at some very important realities about being the kind of friend that does nothing but lift your friends up the first reality is this. It's a lot harder to do when his victory could have easily been yours. It's a lot hard it's a lot harder to do when they get what you could have had. You know that that catchphrase, right? That everybody says, in fact, I'll start it and you guys finish it, okay? It is what it is it is what it is i hate that phrase just being honest but it's the truth a lot of times it, it's somewhat easy to cheer your friend on in, in endeavors that you don't really like like i'll be honest i have never in my life wanted to jump out of an airplane there, there was, there's nothing about, why jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I, I have, you know, I'm always worried I'd be the guy that grabbed the backpack or the knapsack instead of the parachute. Why jump out of a plane? 
But my best friend in high school wanted to jump out of a plane. I said, cool, go knock yourself out. Not literally, because that would have been ugly in that anyway. But it's something different when you want what they can do. If I had been the one that wanted to jump out of the airplane and my friend Sean just did it before me or could afford to do it when I couldn't do it, it would have been a lot harder for me to just say, yeah, cool. Just not, you know, it's easy to cheer people on when they're not getting what you want. Jonathan wasn't just the best friend of the king. That would have been cool. He was the best friend of the guy that was chosen to be king instead of him. Wow. But remember our bottom line? Our bottom line is we have to be our best friend's biggest fan. Even when it's hard. Even when it's supposed to be ours. We still need to be friends. The second reality that we need to deal with is it's easier to do that when he doesn't gloat or act superior. Now, you know, we never see a single time in Scripture where David acted superior to Jonathan. In fact, in that Scripture, did you catch that Scripture I read? I pointed out that when he came out from hiding and he saw Jonathan, David still bowed down to him. There was never a time when he made Jonathan bow down to him and acted superior and acted like he was all that or something. He never reminded Jonathan, hey, uh, sorry, bro. sorry, bro, I'm doing what you were supposed to be doing. You know, there was never that because friendship is mutual. Do you remember the second question I, I told you this week? Would your best friend feel the same way about you? See, David never treated Jonathan as second class in any way and so be your best friend's biggest fan and cheer for them the the third thing that we have to realize is it's important it's important to do that especially when you think you deserve what he has man that's hard let's face it it's just a part of unconditional love. I was trying to think of examples this week. Your your spouse gets a raise and you get laid off. Your friend makes the ball team and you get cut. Your college roommate gets a huge scholarship and you have to take out a loan. Your coworker that's been there a shorter time than you gets a promotion and you stay at the same level. Your sister marries a rich guy with a great smile and you don't, and we'll just leave it there. <laughs> See, love celebrates with the success of others. That famous chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, about love, says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Be happy with those who are happy. Be your best friend's biggest fan. And you know when it's the most fulfilling? The fourth reality I want you to see is it's It's fulfilling when you determine that your friendship, that your friendship is your highest priority. I I was kind of worried that some people might be thought, why are you even talking about friendship and church? Aren't there far more important issues in our world today? Yeah, maybe. But maybe not. See, loyalty and relationships is a key, I think, to spiritual maturity. What did David, or excuse me, what did Jonathan say? What did Jonathan say to David? You'll be king, and I'll be second. 
What did Jesus in the New Testament say about John the Baptist? There has been none greater born of woman than him. But then what did John the Baptist say about Jesus? I've got to decrease so that he can increase. Did you see it? It's mutually making the other a priority. David finally became king. In this story, David finally becomes king on the day that Saul died. But Jonathan, his best friend, died that same day. Saul and Jonathan died in the same battle. Jonathan was David's biggest fan and Saul was David's biggest enemy. But David was Jonathan's biggest fan. And when he died in battle, David wrote this song of lament. I mentioned it last week, but here's part of what he said about Jonathan. It's in, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 1. It says, oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you. And your love for me was deep, deeper than the love of a woman. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. David lost his best friend that day, but he also lost his biggest fan. His biggest fan was the one who was entitled to be king, but wasn't chosen. And despite his rise as the new king in Israel, it broke David's heart. Guys, let's finish up. Maybe you've got friends. Maybe you've got friends today that you're just a little bit tempted to envy. That envy can be the biggest destruction of friendship. Maybe you've got other friends who are tempted a little bit to envy you. Guys, life is too short. Our life on earth is too short to get hung up on envy or jealous thinking. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And be your best friend's biggest fan. Sometimes that's really hard to do. But the only way it works is if you've got this friendship with Jesus. So I want to invite you to stand right now. And as we sing this song, let this thought about friendship run through your mind. And as we sing together, if you need to accept Jesus as your friend, but most importantly as your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you, challenge you to do that today.
Man, I'm glad you guys are here today. Happy, yeah. We got a good guy. Happy Father's Day. Don't forget the snow cones out in the patio area. If this is your first time here, we've got a gift for you. Uh, there's some folks out at the I'm New Wall that love to meet you out there. We've got a special gift for you. Hey, if you've been thinking about accepting Christ or joining the church, uh, Pathways is this week. That's our on-ramp for that. And if you haven't signed up, I want to encourage you to go through the door right over there to the Next Step room. There's some folks out there. Uh, it's Tuesday night. starts at 6 o'clock. Chick-fil-A, uh, box lunch, dinner. And then we'll go right into first, second, and third step. And so if you haven't signed up, we encourage you, encourage you to do that today. I love getting to work uh, on a team with friends. I love getting to be around here and, and worship with you guys and to be surrounded um, by some of my best friends. And it's because of that that it, it also makes me feel uh, confident uh, in, in taking some time off. And uh, it's been a la- you know it's been a last difficult last couple of years. I don't know if you all noticed, but uh, I didn't get to take a summer break last year. So I just did, just want to let you guys know I'm going to be gone like four out of the next five weeks, and Jason's going to take care of the preaching, and Dennis is going to run the ship, and so we're good. We're good, but nothing wrong. I'm just exhausted. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get recharged and get ready uh, for another run and take the hill. So I'll be gone a couple weeks, then I'll be back a week, and I'll be gone a couple more weeks. Uh, just trying to recharge some batteries and see some friends and family. And so just wanted everybody to know what's up and what's going on. And I'll be I'll be worshiping with you every week. Just just especially with you guys because first service i'll be up watching you guys so be on your best behavior i'll be watching all right all right so but i'm glad uh, i'm glad you guys are here today and i look forward to what god's going to do over the next four or five weeks uh for everybody involved and look forward to seeing you and so hey let's go get a snow cone and then if we get a snow cone let's love god love people let's go change the world we'll see you guys <laughs>